Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Sharp Edge, a sports conversation for the sports betting world. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Featuring legendary handicapper Brandon Lang. How much that do-re may be for? And Scott Seidenberg. The Spartos, the Motorheads, Geeks, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. This is The Sharp Edge. Scott Seidenberg here with a special Preakness Stakes edition of the Sharp Edge Sports Betting Podcast brought to you by Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V dot com. And I'm joined right now by Jay Privman of the Daily Racing Forum, like we were for the Kentucky Derby and like we'll be for the Belmont Stakes as well and perhaps the Breeders' Cup once we get there. But Jay helps us break down the field for the running of the Preakness Stakes this Saturday at Pimlico Racecourse in Baltimore. Jay, welcome back to the Sharp Edge Podcast. You were a hit last time, I got to say. I got rave reviews on your appearance. Oh, good. The the, the bill will be forthcoming. <laughs> thanks, Scott. No, good to be back with you. Well, let me start by going back to the Kentucky Derby. Of course, there was a lot of controversy. Country House was the winner after Maximum Security actually won the race, but was disqualified because he impeded the progress of War of Will. We'll get into War of Will coming up. But when you were experiencing that firsthand, what was going through your mind? Uh first was to just try and figure out what, you know, all they were looking at, how many horses were interfered with, who had caused the interference, uh, and then to just sort of try and just wrestle with what, whether it was a incident that warranted having the horse taken down for it. So that's what my initial thoughts were. And then as the inquiry went on, and on and on uh usually when the longer they take the more chance there is that they're looking to disqualify the horse and oftentimes it's just trying to figure out where to how far back to place the horse and in fact that was what was taking place they were they were just trying to figure out where the horses that they ruled he had fouled had ended up and they wanted to put him behind the one that finished the farthest back Mm. And after watching the replay yourself, you agreed with the decision? To me, it was a it was a real tough call. It was a 50-50 call as it was unfolding. And as I watched all the replays in real time, in the, in the same amount of time that the stewards would have had to make a decision, my thought was to leave it alone. Um, you know, I haven't, I didn't have a week and a half until now to, uh, you know, to, to make that call. I would have left it alone, but uh, to me it was it was a it was a tough call either way, and I think you can make a legitimate case for taking the horse down depending on how you interpret the rule. Uh, to me, there were also reasons to leave the horse up. Most notably, did it impact where the horses who were fouled? finish in terms of them being in prominent positions or were they already uh, beaten or did they still have a fair chance after the incident happened? And that was how I came down on it. But I, I understand the logic with which the decision was made. I don't think it was a clear cut situation of a missed call or something like that. You know, like for instance, the NFC championship game, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not that. 
And I think that's what a lot of fans and a lot of people watching were going back to. I feel like this has been the year of the official. You know, so many things yeah. have been affected. Whether you mentioned the NFC Championship game, we can go back to the what the national championship game in college basketball, the Final Four. I mean, there's so many instances, even in the Stanley Cup playoffs that we're watching right now, where the officials are getting involved. And I think people are really bothered by that. But it, it does make sense if you if you understand the rules and if you watch it like you just explained and talked about how was there a dangerous situation that could have happened? And really that's what it comes down to, right? Is avoiding a dangerous situation. Well, I mean, that's part of it. Avoiding a dangerous situation to me is what you look at when you're deciding whether or not to penalize the jockey and give him a suspension. Uh By my way of looking at it, what you're, what you're looking at immediately after the race, when you're deciding to make an inquiry was, did this impact the positions that these horses would have finished in did it impact all the money that's being bet on the race and what's the best way to deal with that. To me, the safety thing is part of it, but it's, it's a secondary thing. I don't, I'm not trying to say that it's not as important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm saying that it's, that it's importance comes after the initial decision regarding the betting is made. Then it's like, okay, now how are we going to deal with this jockey? Was he careless? Does he deserve a suspension? Do you think War of Will had a chance had maximum security not gotten in his way? See, and that's and that's a really good question because that was what, in real time, I was wrestling with. And by my way of looking at things, yes, he did get some interference, but it happened quickly, and I thought he then had a chance for the final quarter mile to make an impact if he was good enough. And, in fact, the last quarter mile – he was losing ground to maximum security. So even though there was a, a spot where he was certainly compromised, I thought he had a chance to, uh, it wasn't like he was severely knocked off stride. And I thought he had a chance after that to, to re-engage and, and he just wasn't good enough. And if it, maybe he'd finished second or third, and he got beat a nose for third. And you're looking at, exactas and trifectas and that then then to me it's like boy i don't know here but you know he finished eighth Mm -hmm. and that was why as i was explaining earlier in my way of interpreting the incident i think you could have made a case to leave the winner up um but the stewards felt that the interference was more severe and was warranted and, and that a disqualification was warranted that's fair. Does the Preakness lose a little bit of juice now that maximum security is not running? No, it loses a lot of juice. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, it's not just maximum security. The horse who was promoted to first country house isn't running. So, um, you know, neither winner of the Kentucky Derby is, is in the race. Uh, not the horse who actually ended up being declared the winner via disqualification, nor the horse who crossed the wire first. So there's a lot of starch taken out of the race because of that. Obviously, the most interesting thing usually about the Preakness is can the Derby winner win again and then go on to New York with a chance to win the Belmont Stakes? Well, with Country House out of the race, that's obviously not happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your question, if maximum security was in here, I think people would have been compelled to see, like, all right, wow, this, here's, here's the horse who got disqualified. 
let's see if he can come back and, and win this race. But they've decided to give him more time between starts. So instead, neither horse is running, and it's a, it's just a completely different kind of race than it would have been if either of those two, or certainly if both of them, had been in it. Yeah, could you imagine the storylines if Maximum Security would have won the Preakness and then goes into the Belmont to face up against Country House with a chance to actually win and potentially win a Triple Crown that's contested, that's not a Triple Crown? The storylines, it just would have been incredible for the sport, I think. Yeah, and I, and I think when those two finally do race against each other, maybe it won't be all the Travers or something like that this mm. summer. Uh, that'll certainly be must-see TV. And, you know, in the immediate aftermath of the Derby, my hope was that we'd see them both at the Preakness. But by the day after, you could tell that that, yeah. that just wasn't going to happen with at least one of them. And then within a few days, it wasn't going to happen with both of them. All right, so let's get to this field for Saturday. War of Will in the first post position. He is 4-1, to one, like the second favorite right now, but I've seen it actually go back and forth between him and Improbable based on the money that's coming in. Uh, we talked about it briefly, about his chances to win. Had he not been impeded, how do you like his chances on Saturday? I mean, I think he, he still has a very good chance to win. It's not like he ran a poor race in Derby. I just didn't think he was good enough that day and don't forget the couple of the horses uh, the first four across the line in the derby this is preceding the disqualification the first four are not running in the race uh-huh. so the fifth place finisher across the line was improbable and he's going to be the favorite in the preakness and as it turned out war of will didn't finish all that far behind improbable even with the, the trouble that he had so it's it's not going to take much of an improved effort off of the Derby for him to be a win candidate on Saturday. So I think he has a, a chance to win. There's a couple of long shots that I like better and that I picked in the racing form, but War of Will certainly is a top contender. I want to bounce here to win, 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 because that's a horse that you mentioned a lot previewing right. the Kentucky Derby. Do you like his chances here at 15-1? to 1? Is that one of those long shots you're talking about that you think could win this race? He's not because I I just wanted to see a little more from him in the Derby than than I saw. Um, one thing you have to do as a handicapper is just sort of be willing to evaluate things and not be pig-headed about it and mm-hmm. admit that maybe I wasn't right. And at the moment, my evaluation of the Derby is that you know maybe I rated him a little bit higher than I should have. And so I like several other horses better than him. Uh, that's not to say he can't win, but I didn't see enough in the Derby for me to feel as strongly as I did, as, as strongly about him this time as I did preceding the Derby when, as you remember, he was, you know, he was my third choice in the race. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a yep. very good chance of winning. What can you tell us about another Wista Fate who's currently at 6-1? to one? So another twist of fate is a horse who uh, was on the Kentucky Derby trail, and he just didn't quite get enough points to, to run in the Derby. Uh, his trainer, so they decided to, to wait for the Preakness, and one of the reasons they decided to wait for the Preakness is because he had won a race earlier this year called the El Camino Real Derby at Golden Gate Fields uh, near Oakland. And that track is owned by the same company that owns Pimlico. And one of the parts of that race was if you win it, you get a free <laughs> spot in the Preakness. 
So when they didn't get into the Derby, their thought was, well, look, we've got this free roll in the Preakness. Let's just freshen him up and, and take our best shot in the second leg of the, of the Triple Crown. I have been a little disappointed with his last couple of starts. Even He ran well, but I thought it was against horses who, if he was really a top horse, he would have beaten. And so even though he's the third choice on the morning line, I'm, I'm against him on Saturday. How about uh, Owendale, ten to one? So Owendale is one of the long shots that I do like. He's the, he's the horse that I picked second. Uh, he beat another twist of fate in the in the Lexington Stakes at Keeneland, and he's a horse who earlier this year I thought had a chance to really develop into a top Derby prospect. He had run well in a in an allowance race at Fairgrounds in New Orleans, and then went into a stakes race where I thought he had a big chance, and he just ran terrible. And they gave him two months off after that. They really couldn't figure out why he had won so poorly, but they realized that maybe he just wasn't quite ready for prime time at that point. And after giving him some time off and sort of hitting the reset button, he came back with a big effort in his last start. And so he, to me, looks like a horse who's moving forward. And one of the other things that I like about him and the horse who I picked in the race, which is Bourbon War, is that I do think there's a lot of speed in this race. And the two horses that I like best are horses that come from behind and will like a fast pace to set up their late runs. So not only do I like these horses in terms of their their current form, but in handicapping the race, I think the way I'm anticipating that it's going to unfold will benefit their style. So why do you like, what was it, Bourbon War so much? Because of his ability to, to come from behind and, and win by, I guess run away from the, the field, if you will? Well, I don't know if they'll run away from the field, but I do think, as I was saying, that the pace of the race should benefit him. In his last start, which was the Florida Derby, uh-huh. there was there was just no pace in the race. The, the top two horses into the first turn were the top two across the finish line. They set a very slow pace, and Bourbon Ward just never had a chance to rally because the leaders were fresh and he couldn't make an impact on them his race before that there was a pretty sharp pace and he finished second to code of honor and code of honor came back and ran really well in the kentucky derby he crossed the wire third and then got promoted to second code of honors passing uh, the the preakness stake so my way of looking at it is that i think there's going to be a faster pace which will benefit bourbon war and to me he's a pretty similar horse to Code of Honor, who finished in front of both Improbable and War of Will two weeks ago. So I think there's a lot of things to like about this horse, not only, most importantly, because I, I think he's a good a top contender, are his odds. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're gambling, you want to look for the best price you can get, and I think he's going to be in the 10 to 12 to 1 range. There's a hometown hero that a lot of people are getting behind, and that is Always Mining, who is a Maryland-bred horse. And I read that no Maryland-bred horse has won the Preakness in over 30 years. So is does this horse warrant people getting behind it? He He's really kind of a mystery horse to me because he's never run against horses of this quality, but he's won six straight races, and he's a fast horse who... Uh, likes to go to the front and, and just turn back the opposition. Uh, the reason that I didn't pick him, but I, I'm, I'm fearful of him, 
<laughs> is because uh, because I think that, as I was saying before, I think there's a lot of pace in this race, and I'm my theory going in is that the horses who are going to be battling for the lead are going to knock each other out and set it up for the horses from behind. So I respect this horse because one thing you never know with a horse like this is you don't know how good they are until they finally get beat. He's been running against inferior competition to what he's going to run against Saturday, and he might be good enough to beat these horses. We just don't know yet. We, there's no evidence of that because he's never he's never had to do it. Um, so that, but more importantly, combined with how I think this race is going to unfold are reasons that I'm going to try and beat him Saturday, but he, he just might be so freakishly good that it doesn't matter. And and that's really one of the fascinating things about this race is that horse specifically. So why, why the step up in class now? Is it just because it's Pimlico? Is it just because it's the, it's the Preakness in Maryland? Why step up in class now when, when they haven't raced him against horses of this caliber? It, it's time. I mean, he's, he's shown that he's, yeah, He's kind. It's kind of like a baseball player who is just excelling at AAA, and at some point, it's like, okay, it's time to go to the majors. Yeah. So Vlad Guerrero Jr. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and see if you can hit big league pitching. And as you were saying before, it's a Maryland bred. This is the biggest race in the state of Maryland. It's it's the right move. It's time for him to get his chance against horses of of this caliber. For a horse who's locally based, this this is the race that makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, you always get that flavor. It's like, you know, being from the New York area, it's when a New York horse, you know, races at the Belmont. It, it always adds a little more juice. So, sure, I'm sure there's money coming in there and or will be coming in at Pimlico on Saturday on Always Mining. What about some of these long shots? Are you putting any of these 20 to 1 and beyond horses in any of your trifectas or maybe a superfecta? I mean, one horse I'd give a little bit of a look to would be Laughing Fox because he's another horse who likes to come from well behind, and I think if the pace is fast, it's going to help his chances. He he would be, of the 20-to-1 and up morning line horses, one that I would give a shot to maybe clunk up and finish third or fourth in the trifecta or superfecta. All right, so what's the final trifecta here? So my top pick, like I said, is Bourbon War. Yep. Uh, I have him on top. And then Owen Dale is my second choice. I did put War of Will third uh, and Improbable fourth. So that's the way I rank them. But my gamble is going to be on Bourbon War to win and Exactas with, with uh, Owen Dale. That's going to be my main play. If they, if they run one, two, uh, it, it'll be a good day for me. I'm writing that down now. So we have two, five, and what was that? Two, five, improbable is four, but he's fourth. Okay, I got it written down. I'm taking care of that. Jay Privman from the Daily Racing Forum. I always appreciate your analysis. You got to follow him on Twitter at DRF Privman, one of the best handicappers when it comes to covering the sport of champions, right? Is that what it's called? The sport of champions? Is that the is that the nickname for the horse race? For sport horse of race? kings. Sport of kings. Sorry, sport of champions. Sport of kings is horse racing. Jay, I always appreciate. I think you must eat Wheaties in the morning. You were thinking <laughs> breakfast of champions. You know what's so funny? I was uh, speaking of Wheaties. Somebody had posted on Twitter that there's a way that you can look up who was on the cover of the Wheaties box, like the month you That's were born great. or something like that. And I had That's Mary. I had, I had Mary Lou Retton. So. That was, was <laughs> that's great. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. Jay, I appreciate your time as always, my friend. Take care and enjoy Saturday. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. So there you have it. 
Jay Privman's picks for the running of the Preakness Stakes Saturday at Pimlico. Be sure to get your wagers in. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Believe in the Sharp Edge, your number one sports betting podcast featuring myself, Scott Seidenberg, and usually my co-host, handicapper, Brandon Lang. You can follow me on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Enjoy the race on Saturday. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.